You're now listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast, straight from the streets of Tokyo. And we ain't talking no sushi temples and shrines and shit, motherfuckers. Live from Tokyo, it's the Royal Urban Mobile Podcast, and we're back with another episode from the streets of Tokyo. What's good, Buddha? Hey, man, Chocolate Buddha in the house, living a dream, just out here in the streets doing what we do, man, just just enjoying it, man. How about you, man? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yes, sir. So we got a guest today. We always have a guest, pretty much. Uh, and they all special. Man, this brother right here. A motherfucking legend. We got a motherfucking legend in the mobile man cave. That's what I'm talking about. We are privileged. Privileged. But right. we got Brooklyn Terry in the mobile man cave. That's it. From Brooklyn. Go What's ahead, up, Terry. What's up, y'all? What's going on? How y'all doing? No. So uh, let them know. Let them know man, what. Man, yeah. Who is Brooklyn Terry? Man? Don't hold back. It's it's funny. It's hard to talk about myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's still kind of hard. Well, all right. So from the name, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Uh, man, born and raised, I'm not one of those um, new people to the city. I won't say who they are. Hipsters! <laughs> um, no. Nah. Trust fun babies. I'm not one of those folks. I'm actually born and raised. My mother was born and raised. My father was born and raised. And my mother's family, my mother's mother and father were also born and raised. My grandparents were also born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. That's why I got the name Brooklyn Terry, because in the summer, I had no place to go. Everybody's going down south. I'm going to Ben Stott. <laughs> oh, oh. Word. Word. I'm going to Troop and Jefferson. Um, first and foremost, I am a dancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, been going out, hitting the club scene since I was about 15, which is like the beginning of high school. That was like 1990. 90? Oh, yeah. That's like yeah. 1989, like 1990 for me. Mm-hmm. Um, starting out going to parties and stuff like that, dancing. Uh, by the time I graduated, when I was 20 years old, I got my first big gig with Mariah Carey and started touring the world with Mariah Carey. Toured with her for seven years. Wow. While I was on tour with her, I worked, people, worked with people like Will Smith and Whitney Houston and Biggie and wow. the wow. list goes on. Wow. Yeah. And here I am in Japan. <laughs> wow. Wow. Inside the mobile man Inside cave. Inside the mobile man cave. You think we can get Mariah in this moment? <laughs> I don't think she'll fit. So, <laughs> <laughs> she is a little on the thick side now. Sorry, MC. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> so, so since you named all of these you know, famous music stars, um, how was it being around those people? Um, so uh, my mother gave me a lesson a long time ago. Mm. We were living in Albany Projects. And Albany? Oh, I, I've been through there to see some chicks and all that. But, uh, <laughs> Dangerous. Yeah, yeah. We were living in Albany Projects and I was a kid and Kane had came through the project, Big Daddy Kane. Oh, they Big came Daddy through the project. Kane. First of all, the thing about New York, the greatest thing I ever I feel about New York is nobody's famous. Everybody's famous, but nobody's famous. I really like that. You can go to a club and see all these people and it's just like, eh, you know, yeah. so-and-so's here. Anyway, when I was a kid, Kane... I came to the to came to Albany Projects and everybody was rushing to see Kane. Like a lot of people in the projects were going to see Kane mm-hmm. and I was kind of caught up with that mix of people and my mother saw me running over to see Kane and she stopped me. And she was like, you don't run over to see him. And I just kind of wondered why. And she told me, if you ever think of someone above you as super famous, just imagine them taking a shit. <laughs> we all come back down to the same level. Word. Absolutely. When we're taking a shit. And yeah. that is my mom's words. And from then on, being mm. around these people that are super famous yeah. never fazed me because what she's saying is like we're all the same. Absolutely. We, we just had somebody got a chance that you couldn't get. And I think the only person I ever met, two people I ever met, and I was just like, wow, was Stevie and Prince. And why was that? Because they hold this certain power. <laughs> when they walk in the room and it's just like oh but they're they're not they don't act like they're above anyone else they are just powerful people you know when a powerful person walks in the room it's just like wow and 
spoke to them. I was like, I'm a fan of your work. You're amazing. And it's, it's funny you brought that up because everybody says that about Prince, man. It's like and he was. He man, just got this. Prince this aura. is like five yeah. foot. He was like five foot nothing. <laughs> right. And he walked into the green room at one of these award shows, and all of these big superstars were just like, wow. <laughs> like, and he controlled the room, and yeah, he was a real. And he was a good dude. I met Prince on two occasions. One was in like. Maybe 93, I went to Minnesota. I was dancing at Grand Slam, uh, Grand Slam at his club. And a big security dude came downstairs and said, Prince is inviting you to the VIP. Wow. And I was like, wow. And my <laughs> friends were with me. I was like, can I bring my friends? And sure, bring your friends. <laughs> so I go to the VIP, and the VIP is just another club that's connected there that you have to be connected to get in. Gotcha. And I was dancing and I met Prince. And Prince, Prince said, you're a wonderful dancer. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, thank you. And he just walked away. That was, the yeah, whole that was it. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Brought you to the VIP to give you a compliment. Yeah. And just walked away just like walked that. walked away. I was like, word, that's what's up. Yeah, 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 yeah. He saw something, hey, man. Hey, did, did you look him in the eye? Look him straight in the eye? Yeah, I looked him straight in the eye. I mean, I kind of looked <laughs> down. Did, did you feel something? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, Jamie Foxx brought that shit up one oh, day. Oh, oh, oh. I think he had a stand up. He was like, man, never look Prince in the eye. Right, man, you just feel kind of weird and shit. Because <laughs> he's looking at you too yeah, deep. Like, yeah, you know. and he's he so, he so, he said he's so pretty, he's so dainty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he was like, he was like, he was like, yeah, his homeboy was like, his homeboy came up to him, and he was like, yeah, man, you look Prince in the eye, did you? He was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah but all right, cool, man. That's what's up, man. So so who was, like, the coolest person you met? Just, like, uh, Will vibes Smith. was just Will dope. Smith was probably Will the realest, coolest person I ever, ever, ever worked with. Wow. He is truly a king. Like, um, he's humble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to have that position and still remain humble. Yes. Is, uh, he's wise. Yes. Um, and he's smart. And people confuse wise and smart. Mm. He's wise and he's smart. Wisdom comes through experience. Mm -hmm. Being smart is about the decisions you make. Mm. So he's wise and he's smart. I know some smart people that aren't wise and I know some wise people that aren't too smart. Mm -hmm. So he's wise and he's smart. He gave, he gave great advice. Uh, he was super easy and flexible to work with. Like, and we worked with him on, I worked with him on three occasions, and every single time it was just like, and from the day you meet him, it's just like you with one of your boys that you've known for years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, dope, really, really man. good people, man. Well, you know, going back to what your mom said, you know, I think it was Dwight Howard that said something that was very profound. I could be mistaken, but I think it came from Dwight Howard. Mm -hmm. He just said, man, ain't my fault because you put me on a pedestal. You know what I'm That's saying? That's very real. And, and, very and, real. and I was like, That's, wow. Yeah. It's very real. And I think, you know, I kind of, when I travel through the dance world and stuff like that in mm -hmm. the music world or whatever, I carry that too. I'm like, I, I'm just this kid from the hood doing this thing that I do. And I, I didn't get here on purpose. People put me in this position. I'm proud to have this position. And now that I'm in this position, mm -hmm. I'm just going to share what I love. And I'm going to try to pull the next ones up with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. what's up. Yeah. I'm trying to think. So the first time we met, I think I was at Deep in My Love, yep. right? Deep yeah, yeah. Love. The house event. Shout out to the homie Andre. Hey, who, hey, hey. Who runs the Deep in My Love event yeah. every month, every fourth Saturday of the month in Tokyo. Yeah, man. And then you, you know, you did your thing with the house set. And I that was, was like, my birthday. Yeah, that was your birthday. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. 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 Yeah. I was just like. Brooklyn Terry. I was like, oh shit, I gotta meet this <laughs> Brooklyn Terry. Brooklyn, Brooklyn too. You know what I mean? So that's dope, man. Yeah, man. So um talk about talk about how you got started in dance, man. Like how it all started. Um, well, you know, first of all, first and foremost, in black culture, this is just what we do. Right. Exactly. Right. No matter at what level you do it at, mm -hmm. this is what we do. So for me, it was nothing amazing, right? Uh, I remember my mom and my uncles and aunts would have little parties in the house and everybody's playing spades and they're playing music oh, and I'd yes be doing sir. my little dances. You, we all know that story. Yes we sir. all have that story. Exactly. And people playing music and we do our dances. From there, in the summertime, I would go to block parties, mm -hmm. right? Um, my sister, who is eight years older than me, mm -hmm. 
she used to take me to this party, to this jam, because that's what they were called back then. And I, I, the, I remember was, I was about five years old. This is like 78. This is my clearest memory. And she took me to this jam in Brooklyn at 44 Park. And I went to PS44 Elementary School. Jam at 44 Park. And the music was incredible. I remember my uncle got in a fight because that's also what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the arguments. And I remember seeing people rocking in the circle. And like this is like kind of pre-breaking getting to Brooklyn. But okay. all everyone was dancing. People were doing a hustle outside. And I remember just jumping out and doing my thing. Um, fast forward to about two years ago. I found out about the DJ who used to play in that park, and his name was Grandmaster Flowers. And this dude, Grandmaster Flowers, who died in the early 90s, he's the person that Grandmaster Flash got his name from. So I was listening to him wow. when I was a kid. Wow. And this dude influenced what we now know as hip-hop. They said that this dude is the person that broke Soul Makosa. And who's that? I'm sorry. Grandmaster Flowers is the one oh. that broke Soul Makosa. Ah, okay. He used to play like since you're in New York, you know this. Yeah. He used to play at um at the beach near Far Rockaway. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. what's the one before you get to Far Rockaway when you first cross the bridge from Flatbush? Anyway, yeah, it was over there. Mm -hmm. He used to play out there. They used to have these big beach parties all uh -huh. the time. This is before my time. My mom used to go to those things. Got you. So and you know then the gangs and stuff started and they broke up those parties. But I was listening to the influences of what was to become hip hop and house before I had any inkling, any idea, and I was jumping in the circle as a little kid, dancing to that, just doing the things that I learned at home and that we do around the, around the hood. Yeah. So that so was pretty my first much introduction. Then. Yeah, yeah, I mean, most of us, we all are. We're, yeah, yeah. We're actually, to give credit, we're not self-taught, we're taught by the women in our family. Because the women in our family are the ones that really get down. Mm -hmm. and, you know, hey. that's real talk. And your mom, and you said your mom was my a mom, dancer. My mom could get down. My sister could get down. My daddy was kind of whack. I love <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we cut the, you know, them old folks' yeah. steps. You know, that's you just, true. you just mostly move the shoulders and yeah. the head. That was my father, but it was funky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. funky. They always, they, you know, I think I got the skill from my mom, the funk from my dad. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, that was my introduction to the dance, and I always take it back to that point because mm -hmm. people like to do the European thing and reference the time they stepped in a studio. But for us, that doesn't exist. You're right. That's you a know, good that's point. a very European idea of dance. You have to listen to five, six, seven, eight, and you listen to what someone's telling you to do, as opposed to listen to what the music is telling you to do. The music is already telling you what to do. You just have to be in tune, and a lot of people aren't. Mm -hmm. So I go back to that point. Hey, that was a gem right there. He just left his family. <laughs> telling you, bro. You know, history lessons. Talk about the Elite Force, man. Who is the Elite Force? The Elite Force. Um, so there are five members. There used to be six, but there was a little turmoil. And I still love my brother, okay. Bobby. Um, so it started with three members. Buddha Stretch. Okay. The other Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> Link and Loose Joint. And it started on the set of Remember the Time video. Ah. Michael Jackson, Remember the Time. Uh, Buddha, Stretch, uh -huh. he is the choreographer for that video. And Link and Loose Joint went out there with them because mm -hmm. they were already family on the floor to do the video. And we've always said that the people in the front row are the elite. And no matter what, we always ended up in the front row mm -hmm. because we kill that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so they were making jokes and for some reason Link couldn't get the choreography so they pushed him to the back and he uh -huh. had to make his way up to the elite so he made his way up to the elite in the front mm -hmm. if you watch the video you can see the three members of the video and then from then they just started calling themselves Elite Force gotcha. and uh, they had a gig in Tokyo and this is like in 92 or 93 because that video was in 92 mm -hmm. And one of the members, Loose Joint, couldn't make it, so they brought Ejo. Ejo became a member of the crew. Then in 95, ta-da, I became a member. Wow. And in 98, Bobby became a member, but he dropped out about four years ago. So how, like, did they, like, see you or hear no, about you just, somewhere? Look, like... it's just a friendship thing, man. It's okay. not like they're going to... They jump me in. Okay. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. It's just, a, it's just a, a friendship thing. It's like, you know, we all hang together. We all get busy. Like, it's just a, a love thing. You know what yeah. I mean? So, so, so where, where is the elite force 
right now. In, in, in hip-hop, no, just their place in hip-hop. Are yeah. they... Uh, so the crew is actually, we are the crew that is credited with introducing people around the world to hip-hop dance, as opposed to breaking we have introduced the world to what's called hip-hop dance. Okay. So breaking is the first dance of hip-hop culture. Gotcha. Hip-hop dance is the dance that began to happen when rap music was being produced and being played in clubs like the Latin Quarter okay. and the Rooftop. Yeah. So Stretch was there in everything because mm -hmm. he's just that person that's always been there. Mm -hmm. So he was going to all these clubs and... And then we started, we got together, we all started to travel, and then the world began to copy us. Ah. The world began to copy us, and now, to this day, Stretch is 50, Link is 50, uh, Loose Joint is 49, I'm 45, EJ was 49, and we're still traveling around the world, literally, weekly in a different country, teaching people hip-hop and house, which is just the things that we did for play. Mm to just escape the bullshit because you know crack era new york was a lot of bullshit yeah it's yeah. a lot of bullshit wow so, yeah that's that's our position in the game there's a there are four major crews in the world mm -hmm. um rock steady that mm -hmm. we all know yes. electric boogaloos credited for creating popping boogaloo sam popping pete his little brother okay. um there's Elite Force, that's us, and there's one more for House, and that's Dance Fusion. So Elite Force and Dance Fusion are like brother crews, mm -hmm. and we're the ones that travel the world constantly. So, that's, so you, you guys were the foundation, those four. Yeah. Wow. We're the foundation of, ah, uh, I forgot, the most important crew, sorry, the Lockers. Oh. Okay. Man, I can't forget the Lockers, Don Campbell, um, Greg Campbell-Lock Jr., Fluky Luke, Man, I, man, listen. <laughs> if yeah. it wasn't for them, there would be no us. Period. Oh, That's, okay. Because I know the lockers got to be a little bit older. The lockers, than... are, yeah. The lock, lockers started in the '60s. Mm -hmm. So uh, Don is older than you. Don is like 65, 66, oh, okay. and still doing it. One of the original lockers, one of the second generation lockers, lives here mm -hmm. in Japan, in Tokyo, as a matter of fact. And his name is Tony Gogo. He has two sons, the Gogo brothers. And he can, he's, what, 65 and still doing backflips off the stage. Wow. Yeah, not a game. Not a game, <laughs> yeah. I'm 45 and I'm not trying to backflip off the stage. <laughs> man, that's dope, man. Just, you know, what you just broke down, it's like, damn. And we got you, we got, we got, we got a legend in the market. Yeah, like, I'm telling you, man. Because I mean, he, when he brought up the lockers, I was like, wait, now I was a little kid watching the lockers, yeah. man, on, those on TV my, in Louisiana and stuff. You brother, know what I'm those are my friends. Like, I can go call them right now. Those are literally my, my big brothers. And yeah, I, I was with Don Campbell on his birthday about two years ago. Um, mm -hmm. I, I speak to Tony Gogo all the time. When I go to, there's one woman, a white lady that was in the lockers. Mm -hmm. um, her name is Tony Basel. And every time I go to LA, I give her private lessons. And she is not young. I'm not gonna say your age, uh, auntie. Auntie Tony, I'm not gonna say her <laughs> age. But yeah, she is not young and she is still on fire. So if you watch the if you watch old footage of the lockers, you'll see one white woman. That's Tony Gogo. Mm -hmm. I still I teach her house and I go out there. Okay, so so there are like was it four elements of hip hop? Yeah, but I disagree with that. Oh, you, oh, you disagree with that? Okay, <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, break it well, down. Well, wait, yeah, explain it to us. What yeah. are the supposedly so four the supposedly elements? Supposedly four el elements is breaking, uh -huh. um, rapping, gotcha. DJing, and graffiti. Okay. Right. Those are supposed to be the four elements, but I I oppose, I, I totally oppose because I'm not gonna um, boil our people down to four elements. We mm. are so much deeper mm. than just four elements that I cannot do that. Mm. We are creating new elements every single day. Mm. So I think that puts limits on what we are and what we can be. But would you say those were the original four elements oh you know or? and you know to be absolutely real <laughs> if we're just gonna go into the, the four creative ele creation elements of hip-hop mm -hmm. we have to talk about the gang shit too and we don't want to talk about that ah. you know we have to talk about um poverty and redlining and and drugs and you know yeah. so once again to yeah. to say that 
is a little bit misleading. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I got a lot of OGs that are gonna beef with me about it, but I really don't care. That's how I feel. Okay. You know, we are way deeper than that. Okay. Sort of like what Morgan Freeman said when he said, "Hey, I don't want a Black History Month because our history is too deep to be relegated to just one to 28 month. days." Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and then they're gonna give us the shortest, shortest month. coldest month. Year. Why yeah, don't give us a warm month when we can barbecue? You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody might call the police. On I know, that. right? But uh, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it's it's like all right, so. Brooklyn Terry gave his opinion on, on, on the four elements and he thinks it's a lot more than that. But just for the purpose of, I don't know, this episode, sticking to these supposedly four elements, yeah. um, I, I just find it interesting that, you know, these days it's, it's all about rapping, right? When, pe- when, when pe- people say hip-hop, they people say about hip-hop it's all about rap. Um, and, and it's, you know, of course, that's how white people or non-black people see it. And that's even how a lot of black people see it. Um, to be honest with you, I'm going to keep it real. I, I, I wouldn't, if you'd asked me, I guess, 20 years ago, what is hip-hop? I wouldn't have said it was just rapping, but rapping is probably the first thing that comes to my mind. So, but do you know why that is, right? Why? The, the reason that rapping is the first thing that comes to your mind, because it's the easiest to be marketed and made money from. Exactly. And I'm not talking about us making money from it. Ah, either. absolutely, okay. yeah. Right? Okay. So that, of course, because that's what's been, it's like Coca-Cola. That's what's been pumped to you. That mm-hmm. when you think of soda, the first thing that comes in your mind is Coca-Cola. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's the Coca-Cola of hip-hop right there. Mm-hmm. So Because it's the, it's the thing that's been marketed to you. you. You know right off the top of your head, the thing that has never been marketed to you is the dance. Yes. And you to, can only name a few people. You, people don't even say Scoop and Scrap Lover's name anymore. Yeah. You know, you can only name a few people. So it's all about economics, right? Mm. So first, the first thing that they market to you is rap music. The number two thing mm-hmm. that they market to you is DJing because there's a lot of stuff to be sold, right? They want to sell you mixes and turntables and headphones and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff to be sold. And then those two get together and they make the music and then there's more stuff to be sold. So that's just what happens when you boil down. That was just culture. another gym for you, yeah. folks. <laughs> Bro, he's everybody, everybody listen to this episode, that was another gym mm-hmm. right there. Now where does, I mean, but how about clothing? You know, uh, see, exactly. Clothing, yeah. We've changed the way the world dresses and nobody says that that's an element, right? What about beat making? Mm-hmm. We've changed all of these instruments that people would, wouldn't have even paid attention to. We've created a market mm. for this stuff. Uh, there's literally musical instruments and uh, MIDI instruments and stuff that are made and made and marketed directly towards hip hop. That wouldn't exist without hip hop culture, but that's an element now, mm-hmm. correct? You know, so that's what I'm saying. It's hard to boil it down to these few things. We're deeper yeah. than that, like. Yeah, I mean, what about slang? Urban dictionary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's so much. We've created our whole language. As a matter of fact, you know, it's kind of funny, man, because uh, when when uh, a lot of white people got into hip-hop, you know, from my observation and stuff, you know, like I was growing up, we used to say, yeah, man, I'm fixing to go here. Yeah. And white folks would look at you, mm, grammar. But now they saying it, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. But it's been like that throughout time because they wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have said fly if we didn't say fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing, the, the term fly actually comes from fly boys from the pilots in World War One and World War Two who were seen as the coolest. And we flipped that term and now being fly is being just cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And then now white people or people that are not from the culture are saying the same things. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, or right, saying right. Because fly is kind of old now, but you know, it, it just keeps going so like with dope when i grew so up dope, dope was just a bad yeah. thing you know now it's like man that's dope yeah it's like yeah you know? <laughs> yeah now if you look at a dictionary dope will actually have that other meaning too yeah so yeah, it, yeah once again you can't boil us down to four things because we are always does that mean sorry it's all good <laughs> it's, it's all good. always uh evolving and growing and yeah you know, and, you know, you got to remember, when you look back at our culture, I'm speaking of the black culture, we've always taken all the things nobody wanted and just made beautiful things out of exactly. it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, exactly. 
Oh, we don't want them chitlins. Oh man, they could man, we can make a lot of money with them chitlins. <laughs> All right, we'll pack you up. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That gotcha. is us. I, I mean, someone asked me to describe hip hop, and I said something from nothing, mm. because that is that is that is what I boil us down to: something from nothing. We are we've from some something from absolutely nothing, whether it be back from the blues days where. Uh, the people in the big house throw out the guitar and the sharecroppers or the slaves even will pick up that guitar and do something to create strings on it, tune the strings and play music. And then they'll yeah, take it and market it and they say, hey, it was ours. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep, so deep. But so that, 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 is, that is a deep, that's a deep answer. I mean, it's so simple and so profound. It's something from nothing. Yep. Yeah. That's who we are. So talk about your connection to... Well, you're also known as a house dancer, right? Yes. I'm actually first known as a house dancer. <laughs> oh, okay. And I'm a big house fan. I guess in the last year or so, I've really gotten into it. Um, I'm, rep I'm also representing They got the little <laughs> deeper shades of house. Um, shout out to the, the homie Lars Baron Roth. I listen to his, uh, uh, his house podcast radio thing. What is house music to you? What is the connection? Um, wow, the connection. So, first of all, I've never really called myself a house dancer. Someone else called me a house dancer and called us house dancers, and we were like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we are, first and foremost, dancers. Exactly. Music is on, we get busy. If we like the music, we get busy. Okay. Um, but our connection to it was escape. Mm -hmm. um, for, there's always been, I saw a t-shirt and the t-shirt said that house is disco's revenge. Yes. And that's the absolute truth. Yeah, that's so, what uh, Frankie Knuckles said. Yeah. I think that was a quote from Frankie Knuckles. So yeah. that, that's the absolute truth. Um, disco was always seen as a negative, but that is not the disco that we rock to. Mm -hmm. The disco that we rock to was from Philadelphia. You uh, know, it's Gamble and Huff, the Philly sound, okay. that became disco that all the European folks then switched up and change to something else. It's all you go ahead. So that's not mm -hmm. the disco we rock to. I remember I, I grew up during the disco times. Mm. And and disco in New York was everything. You know? There would be no hip hop if disco didn't exist. Wow. There I didn't would see be that. no the first the first uh rap song to make it big was uh Rapper's Delight. Yeah, Rapper's, oh, Rapper's Delight. Delight. Yeah. Okay, Rapper's yeah. Delight was over a disco loop. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, boom, boom, that's boom. true. That's Facts. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, okay, so hip-hop began with with um, with um the breaks, for yeah. sure. For absolute sure, began with the breaks. Because mm -hmm. people wanted to escape the disco world. But the disco world that they were trying to escape from was the Europeanized... You have to have a lot of money and do a lot of cocaine disco world. Oh, ah, okay. <laughs> Studio 54 right? like disco yeah. world, you talking. So for us, like for us, when house music came, it was just a natural progression of the music that we were already listening to. Mm. You know, the folks in Chicago, with the help from some folks from, from the Bronx, from New York City, came up with this sound that we could relate to. Mm -hmm. And we related to on the underground way before it became popular. And we, the same way we would dance to hip hop, we would dance to funk and disco, we would dance to house. So it was just this natural progression mm. without any thought process behind it. And then all, all the labels and stuff came after. Yeah, the only, the only thing that was a little bit scary is because, you know, truth be told, disco was the gay world, the gay black and Latino mm -hmm. world, and house was the gay black and Latino world yes. as well. Mm -hmm. So with us young men going, young, very heterosexual men, mm -hmm. going to these clubs and seeing these big gay dudes was a little bit intimidating to mm. say the least mm, mm. but on the flip side mm -hmm. we would go to the hip-hop clubs and it was a whole different kind of intimidating because you don't know if you're gonna go home with a buck 50 across your face yeah for those who don't know a buck 50 is the fuck is the scar that you get on your face and they have to give you 150 stitches and that was very popular especially in brooklyn that's yeah, why yeah. it has its own name wow um you don't know if you're gonna get a buck 50 you don't know if you're gonna make it home alive you don't know so Hip-hop was scary because that was in the middle of the crack era. So the escape was to go to these places where they were playing house music. Only thing was, there's all these big gay dudes there. Yeah, yeah. But you notice after a while, they ain't thinking about me. And you just have fun. Yes. And 
all the straight girls like to hang out with the gay guys. <laughs> yeah. So we were like three pointers. <laughs> yep. Yeah, all yep. day. Uh -huh. <laughs> we yeah. would step curry out that yeah. bitch. <laughs> I guess just for me, kind of like, you know, because I didn't grow up in those times. And I, I kind of remember a few um, famous house tracks, but I, I wasn't thinking of it as house back yeah. then, you know. But it, it seems to me as if the house community has always been accepting of all, right? Yeah, and absolutely. Hip hop, I think, you know, when you when you talk about gays and women, it definitely was a difference yeah. in acceptance Huge difference. with hip hop and house. Yeah, hip hop is like ultra masculine, exactly, uh, almost like poisonously masculine. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, that's something I definitely realized, and I'm just. It's just interesting to to listen to to read about the history of house. But I think, on the hip hop side, mm -hmm. until a few years ago, hip hop was still seen as absolutely black, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And that's because we had to be ultra masculine, almost not even almost to the point of violence, mm, right? right? Mm -hmm. And claim our territory constantly, claiming our our territory. And I think in claiming our territory, we were claiming the music as well. This shit is ours. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. House is all encompassing. So, until a few years ago, people didn't even realize that house music was black music. Exactly. And and this and this is what happened to me when I was learning about house. Yeah. Because, I mean, we all know that I, I guess Europe has kind of taken over the, yeah. the 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 face of house, so to speak. And um, so when I'm learning about this, I'm like, oh shit, we started this shit. Yeah. Well, you know. Going back to, you know, I, I, you know, going back to back in the day, you know, going to jazz and every, seemed like America wasn't as accepting of that art, and the Europeans just yeah. embraced it. it. Yeah, exactly. and yeah. and you know, like I didn't realize that black people invented rock and roll, right? You know, yeah. because it was like. Okay, man, what you listen to that white boy music? And then I'm finding out that, what, wait, wait, Chuck Berry? What, what, Eric what? Clapton was copying who? Like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Elvis <laughs> was copying who? Yeah. You know, so you think it has something to do with us abandoning, a, no. abandoning our something that we started more than, let's say, the Europeans grabbing it and just running with it? I have a, I have a saying, America doesn't, appreciate American arts because it looks like us. Oh. Mm. And I could agree with right? that. Yeah. So what happens is, except for with hip-hop, I mean, even now, hip-hop is still seen as black. Black. Yeah. It, then hip-hop is the only, uh, rap music is the only music that hasn't gone to that direction. It's because of that extremely masculine guarding yeah, stance territorial. that over it. Yeah, right. right. So what happens is, um, let's take jazz, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jazz was gangster music, for sure. Old jazz musicians used to carry a pistol on their back while they were playing, mm. right? And most of the old, like not the even the famous ones, but the dudes in the little club, because it, it got hairy, you know, in their little, so they would have to carry that stuff. Or if the promoter didn't want to pay, they got to make them pay. Yeah. So it, was, <laughs> it was hardcore gangster shit. So then what happens is the elitification of the music. Mm -hmm. The white world begin to like it and they elitify, if that's a word, the mm. music. So they take it from the community and they put it into these places where a drink can cost you $15. And then the people from the community can't afford that. So they can't go. Yeah. Oh. But the artists deserve the money that they get mm -hmm. for sure. But it's being pulled out and replanted in a different community. So what happens is we lose touch with it oh, because we okay. can't go there. I mean, rock and roll is the same thing. We lose touch with it. And because of our, our people are always creating and always transforming things and transforming from the core of what we had and build around that core again, mm -hmm. we, all right, you can have that. We're over here. Well, every, not just Europe, Japan, everywhere else around the world, mm -hmm. Asia, mm -hmm. you know, not just Japan, Asia, Europe, everywhere else around the world, what you see is they will latch on to this thing, this genre that we created, but they cannot create a new genre. Mm. We constantly recreate. We constantly recreate. I mean, we were recreating within jazz from um, ragtime 
to the big band. That's a huge recreation of what jazz is. And then you go into fusion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then somehow we get to Kenny G. I don't know how that happens. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, let me jump on this gravy train too, guys. Just just keep playing. (laughs) Yeah. Now, now going back to hip-hop for for a quick second, I was listening to uh, your episode with uh, Mega Late Show. Shout out to Mega and Lake, the yes, homies. Sir. Big up. Word, word. So I was listening to the episode, and you were talking about hip-hop and all that, and you said Sammy Davis Jr. is hip-hop. Oh, Sammy Davis Jr. is more hip-hop than anybody can imagine. Man, break so that, that down. I was like, I was like oh, what the hell do you mean by that? So, Sammy I mean, yeah, yeah, Jr. is more hip-hop. Although you, although you broke it down on the Mega Late Show, shout yeah, out to okay. Mega and Late, break it down right. on, on the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. So, first of all, Hip-hop precedes its own name, right? Hip-hop existed way before it was ever called hip-hop. James Brown is the father of hip-hop, but he never made a rap record, did he? Right? Without James Brown, hip-hop wouldn't exist, yeah? But without Mm -hmm. the ideas of people like Sammy Davis Jr., hip-hop would also not exist. So hip, Sammy is super hip-hop. He was fly as hell, right? Mm He was creative. He got busy all the time on that stage. Um, he knew how to handle himself. He had to work in a world mm-hmm. that was absolutely against him. He has to be on stage with these big white dudes who were overshot. He had to work in a world that was absolutely yep. against him at all times. He can, he could rap because he would talk shit. He could sing. He could play the drums. I'll- he could dance. If that's not hip hop, um, hip hop oh, yeah. is, hip hop is. A person that is truly hip-hop can rhyme, mm-hmm. they can make beats, they can DJ to some point, mm-hmm. they can dance. Come tell me Sammy wasn't that. Yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> So right. in other words, uh, modern day society just look at hip-hop as rap. Yeah, yeah. But we and, and, look and at hip-hop. DJing, like we look at hip-hop as us. Mm. Yeah. This is who we are. A yeah. mixture. And you know, hip-hop, we all say black and Latino, but we also have to realize that most of the Latino people us, absolutely. They're us, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like people that got let, got taken yeah. off the boat a little yeah. bit at a different stop. So it's still black music. Yeah, that's that's something that I've even. I'm more, I'm more conscious. That, yeah, I'm more conscious of these days too. Like, forget the separation. You know what I mean? Yeah. We are, we are all one. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, but going back to you were saying about Sammy Davis Jr. As a matter of fact, for some reason on my YouTube feed, they just say Sammy Davis Jr. on the drums. It's like I ain't never seen Sammy. Da- Man, that bro. Oh, Buddy Kill Rich ain't gosh. You know what I'm saying? Open. Yeah. But, but so basically, when you're going back at that time when it wasn't called hip hop, I guess I can see the relationship of how hip hop grew through that music by all the sampling that was done yeah. by the rappers yeah. using the beats from, let's say, like when Hammer did Rick James and, yeah. and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see that relationship. So, like, we have. Uh, the, the things that we were doing were just taken and put into a package, into one thing, and the package was stamped with this label called Hip Hop, and that's dope, because that was our stance. I was like, okay, we're taking a stance, this is us, right? And mm-hmm. that stance was first taken by Africa Bambada. He was like, we're taking a stance, this is us. Cool Hurt got this thing, mm-hmm. uh, FaZe got this thing, like everybody had this thing, let's put them all together and let's call it this. And that stance is what helped to bring it to this point. So now that we can say that, yeah, hip hop is all of this, this is who we are. Like that stance was what helped us get to this point where we can declare rock and roll as black music mm-hmm. and uh, the jazz as black music and salsa as black music and to keep going, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. without hip hop, I think it would have been harder and house as black music. Yes. Without hip hop, it would have been harder to declare that because it took it took and put a stamp on all of the stuff that we do and have been doing. Yeah, yeah. Deep man, deep. Continuing gems, continuing to drop gems on us, man. I'm telling you. So um, so you've been in Japan how long, man? Twelve. Twelve years. Years, but I've been coming since '95. So okay, teaching and, the Japanese how to dance. <laughs> and how, how's that been? I'm interesting. <laughs> uh oh. Look, just like a lot of people from outside the culture, mm-hmm. people can get the technique. They can get the shape, they can get the box, mm-hmm. but they still don't understand what's in the box. Mm. Like they they know the 
the what. The technique is the what, but they don't know the why, and they probably will never understand the why because they've never lived the yes. the stuff we lived through. Mm. They've never heard music the way we hear it. They don't have the same relationship to it. So yeah, technically, they're dope. And you see them once, they're like amazing. You see the second time, they're good. You see them the third time, they're okay. Mm -hmm. um, but they never make you feel like, oh my God. And that's what art does, right? That's yeah. what this does. That makes you feel like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. And it's very rare, I'm not gonna say never, it's very rare mm -hmm. that someone here will make you feel like that. I have one person. Yoshie. Yoshie. Big up, Yoshie. You're the bomb. Yoshie. Big up. Big up, Yoshie. Yep. Where's Yoshie? Tokyo? Yoshie, Yoshie is from Fukuoka, the funkiest okay. town in this country. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, Fukuoka is the funkiest town in Japan, by far. Wow. <laughs> yep. Okay. But Shout yeah. out to Fukuoka. Fukuoka. Put them on the map. So See you in August. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, so when you, because you know, you teach, how, uh, you teach house and hip hop here. What is your approach when you, when you teach in Japanese? Um, my um, approach, well, look, I cannot teach people in the studio the why. Okay, I can yeah. only teach people the technique. But on our downtime, mm -hmm. I tell stories okay. about where I'm from and where this is from. I show videos. Okay. Um, I let them listen to music and I explain the music to them. And I don't just explain the lyrics, I explain like how we use sound when we dance and mm -hmm. like the shape of the sound and the emotion of stuff. Like that's how I break it down. And I start from kids and with the kids, we just play and have fun because you don't want to get too deep with them because they just do yeah. what we were doing. We exactly. didn't discover this stuff till later. Mm -hmm. So, and then I, when they become adults, I'm like, okay, now you have the what, this is the why. And I give them the why. By the way, my studio's name is yeah, shut up, NDS Dance Studio in Machida, Japan. Uh, you can check us out on Google. <laughs> Google. <laughs> We're on Google Maps. Uh, NDS Times Brooklyn Bomber, if you're checking us on, on Google Maps. Uh, the website is www.ndsstudio.com. Yeah, we're going to leave the links in the, in the episode and all that, too. So, uh, yeah, and I, I actually, what, about two, three weeks ago, I had my first house dance lesson <laughs> it was interesting it was it was rough <laughs> it was rough i'm gonna keep it 100 it was rough me and my homie johnny shout out to johnny the big john came through and um yeah man we were the only black motherfuckers in there besides <laughs> brooklyn terry <laughs> and hey the japanese they, they was teaching us how to do this shit yep. you know what i mean so yeah like you said technique wise yeah. you, you, you know they, I mean, they, they definitely do the damn they thing they can you know but if I wasn't in front of you teaching and you were just at a party, you would be able to dance. Just dance, you know? Yeah, that's true. Like I said, we do it to all, like we may not do it to the same level, but we all dance. Mm -hmm. The difference is most of them mm -hmm. in a party mm -hmm. cannot just uh, dance. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's the biggest difference. And that's the, that's, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Naturally. <laughs> so another, naturally yeah, without yeah. anybody so words, teaching us yeah. anything, like yeah. you said. Yeah, like you said, watching mom and them do it, and then, you, you yeah. know, they get up, they tell the kids, come on, go on out yeah. here. Yeah, do your thing, and then it's just not, yeah. A lot of us have this story of standing on mama's feet, and she doing that two-step. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or even grandma and grandpa got you out exactly. there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Big old butts. The whole uh -huh, uh, <laughs> knocking the kids out of the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, you know, now, is it possible that through this art, of course you can't teach them the why, mm -hmm. but can they take their own culture and create a why within this art? Is that possible? I am still waiting to see that. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like, you know, you go to McDonald's and you're used to this burger, but when you come to Japan, they got some teriyaki be, in the burger. burgers. Yeah. Ebi burgers. And, you I, know. I get that. Yeah. I haven't seen the Ebi burger of jazz or rock and roll <laughs> or hip hop or house yet. So in other words, it's still ours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The box is different. But mm -hmm. <laughs> what's in the box is still ours. Like, yeah, it, it's it's difficult for right. because they everywhere and it's not just the Japanese everywhere around the world they mimic but yeah. they can't create like mm -hmm. I've yet to see someone from outside the culture mimic I mean do what we do to a different degree or create change the shape of what we do you know what I mean mm. and I really do mean outside of black culture because when you go to London 
and you hear them boys from London and they're doing the grime stuff, mm-hmm. they have changed the shape of rap. And it, you know why? Because they're from the culture. Exactly. Jim! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another fucking gym. He just yep. dropping Man, gems all, all gym. through this episode. Man, I got an umbrella on in this mouth. <laughs> dropping so many gems. I'm getting wet. In this bitch. But anyway, word, yeah. word. So speaking of, yeah, you could you definitely traveled, man. Uh, and throw out like ten countries that you've been to real quick. You know what I'm saying? That's last year. Yeah, that, that, that's light, right? Um, yeah, I know that's yeah, light. It was last couple of months, but in Sweden, Norway, Holland, wow. England. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's just Europe. Wait, let me go somewhere else. Australia, <laughs> China, Taiwan. Singapore, I'm counting. Damn. Uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, I can keep going. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's, that's good enough. Map. That's good enough. But, but that's but that's interesting. Yeah. Going back to the point, you said you've been everywhere, yeah, and they everywhere. still can't find anywhere where they can recreate or no. re. No. What's the word you use? Um, Man, I forgot. Yeah. I didn't even smoke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. add, add to it or anything. Yeah, they, yeah. they can't change the shape. They can't they change just, the shape. That's what you. Yeah. There's only one. I mean, you know, you look at Africa, and Africa is doing it for real. Africa's mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. Africa's doing it so hard right now mm-hmm. that this new Afrobeat thing. Yeah. Is swept the world. Oh, Afro mm. House? Yeah, Afro House and wow. Afrobeat, what they call Afrobeat yeah. now, oh, this young okay. generation. Afrobeat is really fella, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, they swept the world. Mm. Why? Mm-hmm. We know why. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're from the culture. They are the culture. They're the birth of the culture. So yes. The, it's sweeping. It's ridiculous. The only place that hasn't really touched down yet is <laughs> still in Asia. Asia's always late. But all over Europe, everybody's doing kizomba and all of these new African styles that they're doing. Shout out to um, the homie um, Moose. He's in he's in Paris. He got a little Afro house movement going on too. I forgot. Uh, pa- pardon me, here. Moose. I forgot the name of it right now. He lives here, right? Nah, he, no? he lives in Paris. He lives in Paris. But he, he he's visited here and taught. Uh, yeah, but there's, dance, a, yeah. there's a French brother who lives here too, and he's like doing some house stuff. He's also I I, I don't know if he's Caribbean. Or if he's African, but he's doing some house stuff here too. I forgot his name. Sorry, Matt. Don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, let me, let me, let me just, cause I, I, I want to properly shout out the homie Moose. Yeah. So he's part of the, what do you call this? Afro Novo. Afro Novo. Uh, have you ever heard of it? Afro Nouveau or Novo? Yeah, I, I, I might be pronouncing it wrong. I'm sorry, Moose. But, but you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, definitely. Like you said. Um, Sweeping the world, right? Sweeping. Yeah. And I, you know, I follow some. Um, I follow a few house dancers that you definitely you said you know. Yeah. What's your homie? Uh, what's her name? Jardy. Karina. Karina. Kerry. Yeah. Kerry. Hi, Kerry. All right. <laughs> Shout out to Kerry. So how, how how did you meet her? I, I met her in what was like 2008. Or seven. Okay. I was in Moscow, and she came to one of my classes. Okay. And yeah, she came to a few of my classes, and she joined battles that I was judging and stuff like that. So that's how I met Curry. Yeah. Moscow. Okay. Yeah. Russia. And speaking Russia. of battles, um, I saw the uh, what was it? The one in Paris. You, you was commentating with yeah, um, just the boo. With yeah, with the boy um, Sway. 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 Yeah. Big up Sway. Sway. Shout out. What's the answer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sway, I, Sway is dope. I always like Sway's show, his radio show. But you know, I was watching some of your clips on YouTube, man. Oh. I was watching your footwork, and I was like, man, my ankle started swelling up. I was like, God. I was like, man, that brother's feet. Yeah, Serious it's like footwork. it's like he's gliding on ice. It's like <laughs> them shoes were like moving so fast. I was like, like hey, the only way a- I move that fast is I step on a bed of ants or some shit. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, I was like, this brother's footwork is crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, yeah, we want to thank you, man, for man, um, appreciate it for coming yeah, in the Mobile Man doubt. Cave and and, and just yes, dropping gems all throughout the episode. All throughout, man. No so if you if you like hip hop, if you got any relation to hip hop, man, can I do some promotion now? Oh, yeah, man, yeah, go man, ahead. Go ahead. Unlimited, Yo, everybody. Um, so I do this party called Speakeasy. Yes. Every first Sunday of the month here in Tokyo. 
we don't usually know where we're going to do it next because we bounce around the city a lot to mm -hmm. really, 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 really nice venues that most people can't get. Mm -hmm. um, so if you want to find us, check us on Instagram. It's speakeasytyo.official on Instagram. And on Facebook, speakeasytyo. And on Twitter, speakeasytyo. Um, just for a heads up, I'm going to go super forward, go far, far ahead for a little mm -hmm. bit. In what is it October on October 28th mm -hmm. at the Tokyo Dome roller skating rink we're doing the speakeasy roller skating Halloween party dope, dope. you don't get no blacker than that exactly. in Japan <laughs> <laughs> also man check me out on Instagram Brooklyn Terry EF on Instagram and I don't really do the Twitter thing mm -hmm. um, and on Facebook at Brooklyn Terry Wright yeah. And that's right that's with a W, right? W-R-I-G-H-T. Yeah. Those white people did that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, brother. Brooklyn man, Terry, appreciate man. appreciate everything, my brother. No doubt, man. I appreciate it, too. Thank you for uh, pulling up in my parking lot. We are sitting in front of my house in the mm -hmm. parking lot right mm -hmm. now. In Tokyo. In, in the Tokyo, mobile man cave. In the mobile man cave. <laughs> right in front of his dance studio. This is the dopest shit in the world. <laughs> his son was in there playing dodgeball with the younger uh, part, uh, younger half of uh, of the Raw Urban Mobile podcast because he threw that damn ball to me. I did a James Harden. I just reached out and say, all right. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's I, I lost, you know. But I see, I, I see, I see you done pass down Yo, the man. moves to the son. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just what you do, right? That's yes, just sir. what we do with the family. My daughter dances. My, I have a 22-year-old, and she's killing the game right now. Love you, Miyabi. Wow. Yeah. She's killing the game right now. She's in, like, pop videos and... Dope. Yeah, she's doing yeah, the same yeah. thing. Go Daddy's ahead and doing. shout her out. My, yeah. my youngest daughter, who's upstairs chilling, she's about to be 11, and she dances like me and her mama. Actually, she dances more like her... And mom's a beast. Love you, Naho. <laughs> my wife is a beast whole family be dancing. we all dance that's what we're in the studios in the crib how about yeah. her mom and dad the grand folks be grandpa no, the funny thing is that her mom is a really big music fan like you go in the house and there's like album covers on the wall which I never saw it from that generation wow um, mm -hmm. and of course she can play piano a little bit mm -hmm. and she's just really international and really cool and I've never like a lot of people talk about the problems that they have with the family not one her family has been absolutely embracing her dad is like my dad like the coolest motherfucker in the world dope. and dope, man. if dope. it wasn't for them we couldn't be together like absolutely wow because I wouldn't have moved out here <laughs> yep <laughs> international love yeah, alright we out yes sir Brooklyn Terry Brooklyn Terry, appreciate everything, my brother. No doubt, guys. Yeah, when I came to Japan, I had to adapt. I slowed down the flow, rearranged the tracks. I made the change, but no problem. But I still can't fit in these Japanese columns. And I'll never get used to all that hollering. Got my neighbors looking at me all funny in the morning. On the trains, got me packed in like some sardines. Just clean and shit, but still smell like old cheese. But that for me, just a minor inconvenience. Like I said before, trying to sell CDs. So at every show I go, I straight rock him. Which means check out my melodies. But please don't come overseas.